In this episode of Defiant Health, let's discuss why cholesterol testing, despite being promoted by nearly all practicing physicians, achieves almost nothing in reducing risk for heart disease. Early research, much of it conducted at the National Institutes of Health, or the NIH, in the 1950s and 1960s, intended the measurement of cholesterol in the bloodstream to be a crude and indirect marker for the real causes of heart disease, that is, lipoproteins, lipid or fat-carrying proteins, in the bloodstream that do indeed cause coronary atherosclerosis and thereby dangerous events like heart attacks. Cholesterol in its various fractions, such as total cholesterol and LDL or bad cholesterol, were therefore intended to be indirect markers, but they got misconstrued as causes. The pharmaceutical industry got into the game and saw an enormous profit opportunity that eventually led to statin cholesterol drugs, one of the biggest financial success stories in pharmaceutical history. Yet more than 80 million Americans now reduce their cholesterol by taking statin drugs, and there has been almost no reduction in cardiovascular events like heart attacks. And hospitals continue to add multi-million dollar heart centers, since heart disease continues to be the number one moneymaker for healthcare systems. A recent clinical trial that we shall discuss that reduced cholesterol to extremely low levels may have even increased the risk for cardiovascular events and death. So let's talk a little bit about the history of cholesterol, why it's not what it's cracked up to be, and why the real tragedy of cholesterol is that it took everyone's attentions away from the real causes of heart disease that are, in truth, easy to identify, easy to manage, and require zero prescription drugs. Later in the podcast, let's talk about Defiant Health sponsor, Paleo Valley, their fermented grass-fed beef sticks, bone broth protein rich in collagen, organic super greens, and low-carb superfood bars are wonderful additions to your healthy lifestyle. They're also expanding their wild pastures service that delivers 100% grass-fed and finished pastured meats from a regenerative family farm right to your door. And look for their interesting new products, such as chocolate-flavored grass-fed bone broth protein, grass-fed organ complex in capsule form, and essential electrolytes to add to your intake of electrolytes such as magnesium. I'd also like to introduce Defiant Health's newest sponsor, Cutting Edge Cultures, a source for excellent starting cultures to create your own fermented foods. For those of you who want to be more confident in making your own fermented veggies, yogurts, and kefirs, Cutting Edge Cultures provide convenient starting cultures that begin with specific beneficial microbes while also making the process faster meaning you will create healthy fermented foods typically within 48 hours or so, depending on what you are fermenting. But cutting-edge cultures, starting cultures, make it extra easy. The whole idea that cholesterol is a cause for heart disease got its start many years ago when they examined the contents or the, or the composition of atherosclerotic plaque taken out of the body. And it does indeed contain cholesterol along with many other elements, inflammatory cells, fibrous tissue, calcium, and many other things. In a series of animal experiments, cholesterol was fed to rabbits, who then went on to develop atherosclerosis of the aorta, the large artery of the body. What was not recognized at that time, but has become clear since, is that rabbits are a very bad model for atherosclerosis and feeding them cholesterol because they're herbivores, and they do not eat anything that contains cholesterol naturally. And so when you feed it this very unnatural thing for an herbivore, cholesterol, they do indeed get atherosclerosis. That led, of course, to the idea that humans should limit dietary cholesterol. And that's why you heard advice like 
put no more than one to two eggs per week because of cholesterol content. That, of course, has since been debunked confidently. That is, dietary cholesterol does not increase blood levels of cholesterol or any other marker. It's benign. So that series of experiments led us down the wrong path that went on for several decades. And only in the last few years has the idea that dietary cholesterol causes heart disease been completely abandoned. But back in the 1950s and 1960s, they were interested, especially at the National Institutes of Health, NIH, in identifying the kinds of particles in the bloodstream that do cause atherosclerosis. Well, you can imagine back then, this is about 70 years ago, it was not an easy matter to decipher or measure or quantify or characterize the, the factors in the bloodstream that caused coronary disease and atherosclerosis. Two scientists working at the NIH, William Fredrickson and William Friedewald, took samples of blood, they would spin them down in a centrifuge at high speed, and they watched the clear portion of the blood, the plasma, layer out into several layers. At the bottom was the highest density, at the top was the very low density, and in between was a low density fraction. They wanted to quantify and characterize the particles, or the lipoproteins, the fat or lipid-containing proteins in these samples, but it was not easy, right? It's 1958, 1959, 1960. And so what they did was they decided to measure one component of these lipoprotein particles. They could have measured a protein called apoprotein B or another protein called apoprotein C, or they could have measured triglycerides. They chose to measure cholesterol. That is, they measured cholesterol in the entire plasma sample, and then they measured the cholesterol in the highest density at the bottom, and they measured the cholesterol in the very low density fraction at the top. Now, the middle section, they created a very crude calculation to calculate how much cholesterol was in that middle fraction, the low density fraction. And that became known as the Friedewald calculation or Friedewald equation. So it's a very crude equation derived empirically, that is just based on experience, to guesstimate essentially how, how much cholesterol was in the low density lipoprotein fraction of plasma spun down in a centrifuge. These scientists knew that this was an extremely crude method, but nonetheless, it caught on and became the standard of care in many parts of the country where doctors would measure the various fractions of cholesterol. And then, of course, drugs to reduce cholesterol came out. In other words, cholesterol was meant to be an indirect way to quantify or characterize the various layers of particles in an ultracentrifuge sample, but became viewed as the cause for heart disease, for coronary atherosclerosis. You know, cholesterol is a fat, and cholesterol cannot float through the bloodstream freely because it would cause embolism. That is, it would block arteries. And so uh, cholesterol needs to be on a an aqueous protein. That is, a protein that is, is soluble, water-based liquid like plasma. And so cholesterol does not occur alone. It occurs as lipoproteins. Now, you don't have to use cholesterol as an indirect marker to characterize and quantify these lipoproteins. You can actually measure these lipoproteins. That's been technically possible for over 30 years. I've been doing it for about 25 years. That is, you can take the plasma. You don't have to measure the cholesterol. You can actually count and characterize by size and other factors these lipoprotein particles. And it's these lipoprotein particles that are the vehicles that can get to the arteries and cause the accumulation of atherosclerosis. It's not cholesterol. Cholesterol is just along for the ride. Now, once you start to look at these lipoproteins in people's bloodstream, you start to realize that the driving factor, and this has been borne out now in numerous clinical trials, the driving factor in causing coronary atherosclerosis 
It's not cholesterol. Two classes of particles, small LDL particles and VLDL particles, very low-density lipoproteins. So, yeah, they have cholesterol in them, but it's not the cholesterol that causes the accumulation of plaque. It's VLDL interacting with the artery wall and triggering inflammation and inserts itself into the arterial wall. Likewise, small LDL particles that are triggered by the consumption of grains and sugars, grains because they're rich in amylopectin A, that's the carbohydrate grains, and sugars like fructose and sucrose, trigger formation of the small LDL particle. It's kind of a complex pathway that does this. For those of you interested, what happens is you consume a carbohydrate, such as the amylopectin A in a bagel or bread or sandwich or pizza crust, or sugars in a sugary drink, and your liver converts those sugars, those carbohydrates, to triglycerides. That's called de novo lipogenesis, the conversion of sugars to triglycerides or fats. So de novo lipogenesis, the creation of fats. Well, triglycerides, like cholesterol, cannot float freely in the bloodstream. They must be packaged in a particle. In this case, liver packages them in a VLDL particle released into the bloodstream. And that VLDL is a potent cause for coronary atherosclerosis because it adheres to the arterial wall and gains entry and can start an inflammatory cascade. But that VLDL particle also interacts with LDL particles, not LDL cholesterol, LDL particles. And there's a series of reactions. Triglycerides are transferred from the VLDL particle to the LDL particle, and it becomes small after a series of reactions. And it's small LDL particles that are also a major cause for coronary atherosclerosis. At the start of this whole process, of course, is consumption of grains and sugars. So, so-called heart health diet, low in fat, low in saturated fat, low in cholesterol, rich in healthy whole grains, is a very potent cause for heart disease because of these two particles, VLDL particles and LDL particles. Bottom line, when you start to look at the actual lipoproteins, not this crude indirect marker called cholesterol, you start to realize how wrong conventional notions of a heart-healthy diet, for instance, can be. Now, sadly, treating cholesterol has become an enormously successful business for the pharmaceutical industry. And that's a big part of the reason why physicians to this day, many decades later, continue to rely on this woefully outdated te technique. They should have abandoned it decades ago in favor of using lipoproteins. But that's never served the interest of the pharmaceutical industry because once you look at lipoproteins, you start to realize very quickly that no drugs are required to eliminate cardiovascular risk. All you need is a change in diet, but not the diet that's called heart healthy. You, a change in diet and a few nutrients and a few other steps, and you have magnificent control over cardiovascular risk. So now we have 30 years of clinical trials purportedly demonstrating that reducing cholesterol with pharmaceutical agents reduces cardiovascular risk. Well, a lot of problems with that. One, nearly all that evidence was paid for by the pharmaceutical industry. And we know with good confidence that when a company pays for the conduct of a trial, it nearly always comes out in favor of the company's product. It's just human nature, right? If you own a company and you have it tested against a competitor's product, your product's going to come out on top if you paid for the study. Almost always. And so the great majority of so-called evidence in favor of statin cholesterol drugs and reducing cholesterol is paid for by the sponsors, by the manufacturers. And so it's, it's suspect at best, completely false at worst. Another thing to know about the whole world of cholesterol and statin cholesterol drugs is that they use a statistical sleight of hand 
called relative risk. So you've heard that people who take statin drugs can be expected to have 36 to 55% fewer heart attacks. Is that true? It's not true. What they're referring to is this thing called relative risk. To illustrate, let's pretend you and I have developed a drug and we test in 100 people. And uh, there's also a placebo group. So the placebo group has two heart attacks for every 100 participants. The people who take the drug have one heart attack for every 100 participants. So two reduced to one. In pharmaceutical language, that's a 50% reduction in risk, which makes it sound like the drug is wildly successful, and it's not. A more honest way of reporting that would be a 2% likelihood of heart attack per 100 people was reduced to 1%. But instead, we hear this wildly exaggerated 50% reduction in heart attack. Another thing to know is that over 80 million Americans now take statin cholesterol drugs. You would think there, therefore, would be a huge reduction across the board in cardiovascular events, in heart attacks, sudden cardiac death, need for stent implantation, atherectomy, angioplasty, bypass surgery. There has not been. There's hardly been any impact at all. How can 80 million Americans who are presumptively at high risk for heart disease take a drug that they say works to reduce cardiovascular risk, but we've had no reduction in cardiovascular events to speak of. And in fact, hospitals continue to grow their heart programs, adding on 80, 90, $100 million wings because heart disease remains the number one moneymaker for healthcare systems. Most recently, there was a very important study called the Furrier study that studied the effects of a drug called Repatha, an injectable drug that reduces cholesterol to very low levels in this case, in people already taking a statin drug. So half the people only took the statin drug, other half took the statin drug with this injectable Repatha drug. Now, the Repatha group reduced their LDL cholesterol from about 92 to 30 milligrams per deciliter. So rock bottom, extremely low LDL cholesterol. And while there's been some debate about the evidence, it looks as if there was no reduction in cardiovascular risk. There's actually an increase in cardiac deaths and there may have been an increase in total deaths. In other words, for a lot of money, six to $7,000 per year, this injectable drug that reduces cholesterol to extremely low levels resulted in no meaningful benefit. Now, the original report was that it reduced cardiovascular events by 15%. If you look at the data, that's not true. It reduced cardiovascular events by 1.5%. But of course, that desperate for positive outcomes, they reported the relative risk which seems much larger, tenfold larger in this case, taking a 1.5% reduction risk to 15%. Now, this reanalysis of these data done independently suggests that's not true. There's actually an increase in cardiovascular events and death. And so spending a lot of money, reducing LDL cholesterol to extremely low values seems to provide no benefit. Now, you'd think that most of the, much of the world would start to recognize this idea that cholesterol causes heart disease And reducing cholesterol essentially eliminates risk is completely false. I I think people need to understand this. The real tragedy of this focus on cholesterol and LDL cholesterol and fat intake in the diet, the real tragedy is that it takes everybody's attention off the real causes of heart disease. As I continue this episode of Divine Health Podcast, let's talk about that. What are the real causes of heart disease and what can you do about it now? The Defiant Health Podcast is sponsored by Paleo Valley, makers of delicious grass-fed beef sticks, healthy snack bars, and other products. We are very picky around here and insist that any product we consider has no junk ingredients like maltodextrin, carrageenan, 
carboxymethylcellulose, sucralose, and of course, no added sugars. And all Paleo Valley products contain no gluten nor grains. In fact, I find Paleo Valley products among the cleanest of any in their category, and they're truly delicious. One of the habits I urge everyone to get into is to include a fermented food product at least once, if not several times per day in their lifestyles. Unlike nearly all other beef sticks available, the Paleo Valley grass-fed beef sticks are all naturally fermented, meaning they contain probiotic bacterial species. And now, Paleo Valley is expanding their Wild Pastures program that provides 100% grass-fed, grass-finished pastured beef and pastured chicken and pork, raised without herbicides or pesticides and raised in the USA. And they've just added wild-caught seafood caught from the waters of Bristol Bay, Alaska. They're now offering a 20% lifetime discount on every order for a limited time. I'll post the web address in the Defiant Health show notes. Shipping for Paleo Valley products is free for orders of $75 or more. For more information or to order, go to paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. Enter the coupon code DEFIANT, not case sensitive, for a 15% discount to Defiant Health listeners. The web address is also listed in the Defiant Health show notes that accompany this podcast. And be sure to take a look at their other products, such as their organic super greens, rich with phytonutrients, and their super food bars that come in dark chocolate chip, apple cinnamon, and lemon meringue. They're low carb, of course, with eight grams net carbs per bar. The folks at Paleo Valley have lately been busy, recently adding some interesting new products, including pasture-raised, fermented pork sticks, chocolate-flavored, grass-fed, bone broth protein, grass-fed organ complex in capsule form, pumpkin spice superfood bars with grass-fed bone broth protein, and new essential electrolytes in powder form to add to the potassium and magnesium intake of your lifestyle, available in orange, lemon, and melon flavors. And for listeners to the Defiant Health Podcast, you can apply your discount code for a 15% discount. The discount code can be found in the show notes. I'd like to also introduce you to Defiant Health's newest sponsor, Cutting Edge Cultures that provides a variety of high-quality starting cultures for your fermenting projects. Including several servings of fermented foods in your daily routine is among the most important practices that you can adopt to maintain or restore the health of your gastrointestinal microbiome. Cutting Edge Cultures makes it easy with their starting cultures for culturing vegetables with their culture veggie starter, yogurt with their yogurt plus starter, and kefir with easy kefir starter. They've also added LR Superfood Starter to cultivate one of my favorite microbes, Lactobacillus rotari, and L Gasseri Superfood Starter to grow Lactobacillus gasseri, both extremely important gut microbes lost by most modern people. Go to Cutting Edge Culture's website to enter the discount code DEFIANT, not case sensitive, to obtain a 15% discount. Web address in the show notes. I'll just cover the causes, the real causes of coronary disease and heart attacks and related events. We'll cover it kind of superficially here because there's a lot of detail here that's better delivered in text, in books, in blogs, and websites rather than being given to you verbally. But I'll do the best I can just kind of listing the causes and getting you started on uh, what you can do to put a stop to these causes of coronary disease. And they have nothing to do with cholesterol. So as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, VLDL particles, very 
low-density lipoproteins, and LDL, small LDL particles, are the major drivers, are major drivers of coronary atherosclerotic plaque. Where do they come from? Well, they're initiated with the consumption of wheat, grains, and sugars, the amylopectin A of wheat and grains, the carbohydrate of grains, and sugars, especially fructose and sucrose, because the liver is very capable of converting those sugars, amylopectin A and other sugars, to triglycerides, which are then released into the bloodstream as VLDL particles that are themselves a cause for coronary atherosclerosis, but also interact with LDL particles to make them small. So the combination of VLDL and small LDL gets their start with consumption of wheat, grains, and sugars. Now, the process of insulin resistance, where organs in your body like the liver and muscle and brains don't respond to insulin, and your pancreas therefore compensates by overproducing huge amounts of insulin, tenfold, thirtyfold, a hundredfold higher levels of insulin in your bloodstream, that amplifies that process of de novo lipogenesis and increases the VLDL and small LDL particles. So we reverse insulin resistance. How do you do that? You eliminate foods that provoke blood sugar and thereby high levels of insulin. What foods are those? Wheat, grains, and sugars. We also address common nutrient deficiencies that, when lacking, add to insulin resistance. Nutrients include vitamin D, magnesium, omega-3 fatty acids, and iodine. When you put those four nutrients that are lacking in modern life Together, they synergize to contribute to reducing insulin resistance and thereby de novo lipogenesis. So you can imagine the combination of these nutrients with the elimination of the foods that trigger glu- blood glucose and insulin and turning off de novo lipogenesis to create VLDL and small LDL is a very powerful start to a cardiovascular risk reduction program. Those four nutrients also exert other effects that contribute further to reduction of cardiovascular risk. Vitamin D, for instance, has potent anti-inflammatory effects. Omega-3 fatty acids are also anti-inflammatory. They change the composition of atherosclerotic plaque, making it more stable. And it has effects on the uh, microbiome because omega-3 fatty acids activate an enzyme that lines the intestine called teslin-alkaline phosphatase that deactivates the endotoxin from bacteria, the toxic component from bacteria that can enter the bloodstream and cause inflammation and insulin resistance. And fish oil or omega-3 fatty acids partially deactivate that endotoxin. So a very important effect. Iodine makes sure that you have enough iodine for your thyroid to manufacture thyroid hormones because even if you're marginally hypothyroid from lack of iodine, not only are you tired and cold all the time and depressed and gain weight easily, but you also increase cardiovascular risk. Then lastly, magnesium relaxes arteries, reduces blood pressure, and helps you manage the lipoproteins, the abnormal lipoproteins in your bloodstream. So those four nutrients have a variety of beneficial effects, and they are largely lacking in modern life, but they're easy to replace. Then lastly, we address that thing I mentioned just earlier, just a moment ago, endotoxemia. That is, microbes living in the gastrointestinal tract, trillions of them, they only live for a few hours. So trillions of microbes turning over rapidly, when they die, they release some of their components of their cell walls, specifically this thing called endotoxin. And endotoxin can enter the bloodstream. 
Now, this is especially true when microbes from the colon have ascended into the 24 feet of small intestine. So that's called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which is incredibly common by my estimate. One in two people, 50% of the American population has this problem of SIBO and thereby trillions of microbes living and dying in 24 feet of small intestine releasing their endotoxin that gains entry into the bloodstream. And that process called endotoxemia amplifies insulin resistance, increases de novo lipogenesis in the liver, creating more VLDL and small LDL particles, constricts arteries, and causes inflammation. And it's the reason, it's the process that explains, for instance, how microbes in the gastrointestinal tract can be experienced as conditions in other parts of the body such as depression or Alzheimer's dementia in the brain, or in the skin as rosacea and psoriasis, or in the bloodstream as metabolic diseases like high triglycerides, fatty liver, and type 2 diabetes, or in joints and muscle as fibromyalgia. And it can also cause arterial constriction, worsen insulin resistance, worsen inflammation, all the factors that lead to coronary disease. I hope you've come to appreciate this idea that reducing cholesterol in the bloodstream, this thing that was meant to be nothing more than an indirect marker, crude marker for the actual causes, lipoproteins in the bloodstream. Cholesterol is a wild oversimplification, an outdated idea that should have been abandoned decades ago. Yet there are strategies, practices you can adopt to reduce cardiovascular risk. Now, you want the full details, issues like what do you replace wheat and grains with, what kinds of sweeteners are safe for you, uh, how can you bake, say, muffins or pizza without using ingredients that cause formation of VLDL and small LDL particles, what the best form and dose of fish oil is, and vitamin D, and all the other details, how to identify SIBO and endotoxemia, that's all contained in my many blog posts in the drdavisinfinitehealth.com blog. There are thousands of posts there. Of course, my books, especially the Super Gut book, or the Undoctored book, or my Wheat Belly Revised and Expanded edition. If you want support as you go through this program, you also have the option of joining my Dr. Davis Infinite Health Inner Circle where you have access to a very busy discussion forum with hundreds of thousands of posts, an extensive video library, extensive text library, and of course, our mostly weekly two-hour Zoom sessions where I meet with typically 80 to 100 people, and we talk about all the aspects of the program, stumbling blocks, hurdles, ways to fix some of the problems, and we get through the evening and have a lot of fun. So you can always join my inner circle as well for increased support. And of course, the various episodes of this podcast all meant to empower you because health does not come from the healthcare system. It comes from your efforts, your knowledge, your insights, and your practices. Now, if you learned something from this Defiant Health podcast, I invite you to subscribe through your favorite podcast directory, post a review, post a comment, tell other people to help us drive this movement of self-empowerment in health without the healthcare system. Thanks for listening.